Welcome everyone to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 59, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the music of Steven Universe. A pretty broad topic, but hopefully we can make some headway. My name is Ken, and joining me today, as is often the case, are... I'm GC13. I'm Sophia. And today we have a very special guest, a writer and reviewer on the AV Club, as well as many other places, Wired, Pitchfork, and others. We have... Oh, hi. I'm Eric. Therm. Sorry, it's my last name. What's up, guys? <laughs> not much. What's up with you, Eric? Uh, not that much. I'm excited to talk about Steven Universe, as I often am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned you several times on the show, so it's very exciting for you to be on. Whoa, crazy. I did not know that. That's very flattering. I was looking at the list of AV Clip reviews today, and I see a long list of A's. <laughs> yeah, it kind of got hard. I feel like this entire calendar year, the show... I mean, really, for most of the run of the show, it's gotten like linearly better. And normally, you're supposed to do the grading on a curve, not against the rest of TV, but sort of against the show. Uh, and so, if every episode keeps getting better, you like don't really know how to grade everything. Like, you could go back and retroactively be like, "Well, this one wasn't as good as some of the later ones." Right, uh, right. But it just sort of meant that I was just like yelling a lot, watching my screeners, <laughs> and everyone around me was like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> I think I made my roommates watch the second Steven Bomb with me, having never, they had never seen the show before, uh, and they spent the whole time just, like, watching me, like, yell a lot. <laughs> like, the first time that I saw the new title sequence, because I, oh, I, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. I did it, I, I can't, and I just kept yelling, like, I can't believe they did that. And they're like, what, what did they do? And I was like, no, you guys don't get it. Like the, it was, it was a lot. I think they had a, they had a really fun evening watching me. Yeah. I probably would have been pretty fun to watch for the whole paradox sequence in Warp Tour. Oh, I was in hysterics when they released the extended intro at Comic Con. Just could not contain myself. So yeah, good. the excitement is real. I'm curious, what did your roommates think having seen the second Stephen they, Bomb and I had seen? They, they liked else? it. I think it helps. I don't know what this is like for other people. I've gotten progressively better over time. I used to be really, really bad at selling people on the show. Um, and I think at that, by the end, they were like, oh, like, this is pretty cool. And I was like, you have no, you should go back and like watch all the other stuff. And they were like, maybe we will. And I have no idea if they did because I moved uh, out of that you. apartment like two months later. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'll go back one day and they'll be like, dude, like, we're really obsessed with Steven Universe now. Thank you. I'll <laughs> you like, changed my life. Like, yeah, I'll be like, you're welcome. You mentioned the screeners. I'm just curious, how far in advance do you get those? Is it, like, really frustrating to have seen an episode before everyone else and not be able to talk to them? No, I mean, I only, so, I usually only get them, like, a couple of days in advance. Not that far. The only time that's ever been, like, a really serious problem for me was when I got the first Steven Bomb, which was, like... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was, like, two weeks in advance. Oh, so seriously? I watched. So I, like, watched Jailbreak. And then wow. I couldn't talk about it with anyone for like a long time. Wow, that's crazy. That was that was a little bit. I mean, it, it was a little stressful, but that was the only yeah. time that's ever been like a serious problem. Normally, I watch it and then I spend the next couple of days like writing anyway, so it's not like a. I can just wait for people to watch the episode. Right. That was me a little bit with too far because I saw the leak and was just dying to talk about it. But plenty of people saw the leak. There were people you could have talked to. True. And I'm just looking at Ken's avatar with the sunglasses being pulled down in the knowing way. 
I have no insider information. Man, I wish I got I wish I got episode previews that would make writing up the lore posts a lot easier. But we're here to talk yeah. about the music, so I guess I guess the simplest way to start talking about the music is what what is your favorite song from the series? Non-vocal. My favorite is the Dance of Swords, the dual music from Steven the Swordfighter. I, I don't think any instrumental track they have can compare to Dance of Swords. Amalgam. Uh, yeah, Amalgam there we go, easily. Ken. So yeah. a little fun fact, uh, I am illiterate. And so when <laughs> okay. I first tried, when I first saw Amalgam, even though Pearl says Amalgam in the episode, when I saw the track, I pronounced it as uh, Amalgam because I can't read. And I pronounce it in my head as Amalgam for ages, and I have brought it up several times. It's like, oh, I never knew there was a track called Amalgam. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's the Opal one. And, and then people just look at me like... <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is my favorite instrument. Amalgam is a, a good one. I'll, I'll give you that. That is another strong one. So, it was Eric, my ringtone for a while. Do you have a favorite? I would say it probably rotates between Dance of Swords uh, and the Opal theme. Which <laughs> the opal the opal theme is like a big work thing for me. Like I'll just put on the super extended one uh, on like the YouTube repeater and just work for like two hours. Or Rose's Room. Those are the three probably. Oh, Rose's. I like Rose's theme, the acoustic version. There's a lot of good music in this show. We could just shout out. We could just spend the whole sh- episode shouting out. Oh, this one's great too. I feel like you kind of have to. That's like level two of being really into uh, a lot of the music stuff of being able to sell people. Or I, I have a hard time usually selling people on the soundtrack beyond vocal songs. Well, honestly, um, to kind of go off tracks a little bit here, I sold a couple people on Undertale just by showing them the soundtrack. Undertale is a very strong soundtrack. It does. Even the non-vocal songs in Steven Universe, I mean, I guess no one listening to this needs that much convincing. Uh, they're absolutely excellent. Avicii and Sirachi are... It's Ivy and something else. Yeah, we've had a very long, ongoing joke on this podcast about not being able to pronounce their names. But uh, I was actually familiar with them even before they started doing Steven Universe, just because my friend would like send me uh, links to their music on their YouTube channel. And I I can't say that I like was the hugest fan, but I definitely would listen to their music in my spare time. And it was really interesting just to be watching this new show on Cartoon Network and be like, hmm, this reminds me of this other music I've heard before. Mm-hmm. And then like look it up and be like, oh, geez, this is actually the same people. So it's very high quality stuff. Yep, very beautiful remix of K.K. Cruisin. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't think it would be like that hard to sell people just on the soundtrack, really. The way the way I usually describe it to people, and I think one of the things that I initially really liked about the show when I started writing about it, which is like a kind of, I guess, a long time ago. One of my favorite things about their work, especially, is that it ne- or is almost never tense. Like there's very little tension I find in the action sequences, which is often because the soundtrack makes them just like very aesthetically beautiful uh, instead of like pulse pounding or exciting or whatever it would be in like a normal action sequence and i really appreciate the way the music in those sequences often allows you to just sort of take a step back and appreciate everything that's going on sort of it's just as like an independent like beautiful sequence rather than like oh god are they gonna like beat the thing because like of course they're gonna beat the thing like that's like a ridiculous or they always find a way tension yeah, exactly. You don't need like, you know, you don't you don't need to make people like nervous about it because it's just not like it's not that like this is just a much more exciting, I think, way of doing it. 
So do you follow the music on very many other shows? Yeah, so I I mean, I did, I wrote a thing for Pitchfork a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago or something, uh, about the music on Steven Universe, and it was, I think, the third? The one that went with stakes? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we read that, we'll, we'll link that so that everybody who listens can also read that. And they should read it, because it's an excellent article. Thank you. Uh, and that's the third thing that I've done for them about music on TV, the first two were about Mad Men and Bob's Burgers. Writing for Pitchfork, that's kind of like my background is mostly in TV, but if you're writing for Pitchfork, you're obviously going to be focusing on music. Yeah, right. And it's interesting, like music supervision, I think, is a lot harder than most people think that it is. Uh, and the best shows that do it, I think, add a lot of subtext and add a lot of like different ways of relating to the show than you would normally get. Uh, of which I think like Mad Men is a really, really good example of doing just like really good music supervision. If you just track all of the stuff that they use in the background and the, the change from essentially like 50 standards and stuff that like no one would ever listen to, to really, really thuddingly obvious pop songs from the sixties by the time they get to the point where they're using like satisfaction and space oddity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels really obvious, but like it's supposed to feel really obvious. I like that a lot. Mm. Um, and transparent which also has really, really fantastic music supervision. I mean, that's different, I guess, from doing original composition. But I think if you do it well, like, you add the same kind of resonance to the show. But one of the one of the reasons that Steven Universe's music is so accessible is that the creators post so much of the show's music to their SoundCloud account. And I noticed that We Bear Bears also, also gets the same treatment. You can go to, I don't want to mess his name up, but Brad's SoundCloud account. Brad Breek? Yeah, Breek, there you go, for and get a lot of the tracks from the show, and they are they're pretty darn good. My favorite is I Have Time, the really sad feelsy one. Is is this a thing? Are we getting more access to our cartoon music via the wonders of SoundCloud and, and similar things? I guess especially as it relates to, to Steven Universe, my sense is that that level of accessibility and what I guess you would call you know, ways of using technology and the internet or or whatever other ways that like uh, other people would describe it uh, as a way of creating intimacy and access with fans is like a really important way of creating um like a culture around the show and and getting people to feel like they're involved in like the creation of something which like obviously on one level you're not but also the thing itself sort of takes on this whole second life and i think that that level of openness is really important in doing that. And my suspicion is that everyone who's involved knows that that's a thing that's important uh, and it's something that they're committed to. I mean, I love, like, when I was writing the Pitchfork thing, I didn't have room to talk about this, but I listened to a lot, like, most of Rebecca's, like, early demos of all the songs where it's just, like, her singing it on, like, a ukulele and you get a very different or a really interesting perspective on a lot of them if you, like, sort of track them from that stage uh, to what ends up on the show. Yeah, I'm not musical enough to really be able to appreciate the the evolution of it, but I I still as a fan am very interested in hearing, oh, you know, this this is this is what would become the the song we know and love, especially like Stronger Than You, which is just a wow moment for the whole series. I think everybody can agree. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I that's my default way of selling the show on people. I mean, I think I that ended up staying in in the pitchwork thing where it just I know it sort of spoils it, but I I think you can kind of get away with that if you're trying to sell someone on the show, especially if they're not inclined to watch it, and you sort of say like, dude, the climax of the first season of this show is a really excellently animated action sequence soundtracked by this full song sung by Estelle. 
yes, that Estelle in parentheses, uh, about that's like a metaphor for the benefits of intimacy in romantic relationships. And people are like, that sounds insane. That's like not a thing that you would put on, on TV. Um, and it, it even, it even, I think is pretty powerful out of context. Obviously it's a lot stronger in context, but the fact that you can watch it not knowing anything else that's happening or who these characters are or why this is an important thing that's happening and still acknowledge that it's like a very, very powerful moment, I think says a lot about both the quality of the episode specifically and about how carefully it had been built to, uh, and how, much it like is a manifestation of the original vision for the character. I mean, Cartoon Network knew what they had done was stronger than you because I think a bunch of us are going to remember that the the preview that they put out on I think it was Vine or something. It was just the 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 clip where the smoke clears after they they come down the reactor room and Garnet says that she's not going to let Jasper hurt her planet or her friends, and then and then it cuts off because it's just a short little preview. And but I think that that whole song has attracted more fans, at least on the internet, to the show than any other one thing. Yeah, that was um, how I got, I was initially introduced into Steven Universe, it just someone had sent me a video, it's like, hey, like, check this out, and uh, and I saw Stronger Than You, and that's how I got introduced into the show as a whole, and so that did kind of spoil the whole Garnets of Fusion thing, but look where I am now, <laughs> huge fan. Yeah, but to be fair, it was, it was pretty obvious, I think. <laughs> I might not have caught on. I feel like it's not that big of a, a spoiler. Like, I don't feel bad telling people about it because it doesn't change. Like, you only lose the moment of, like, oh, like, aha, if you didn't get it before. But otherwise, it, like, doesn't affect your viewing of the show, really. Other than, like, Garnet's attitude about fusion in certain episodes, like, makes a lot more sense. But then it just means you have, like, a better experience and you understand more of, like, where she's coming from in certain cases, in certain, like, episodes. I think the internet as a whole is too sensitive to spoilers anyway. I mean, obviously, if something's good to watch a second time, then, you know, were you ever really spoiled in the first place? Well, it's, you know what? Honestly, I'm very susceptible to spoilers. So I felt like I was missing out on a lot of the mystery and discovery with Garnet's Effusion thing because that's how I was introduced into the show. Like, kind of coming up with a theory on my own would have been half the fun. Yeah, I'll give you this. Steven Universe is probably the best cartoon out there for watching it and trying to figure out the future. I mean, that's that's why Lunar Seaspire exists. It's, I, I didn't even... I Maybe I just was very obtuse. Like, I don't even think I had thought about the possibility that Garnet was a fusion until someone mentioned it in a comment on one of my reviews, and then I thought about it for, like, two minutes, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I, I could see that. And then I think, like, two weeks later, I got the, the screeners for the first Steven Bomb and was like, yep, like, people are gonna... I mean, I, I, I do... I think spoilers, like, people are way too sensitive about being spoiled about things that have already aired. But I do think one of the really nice things about the way that the show is constructed is that you are, like, that... It probably is better if you start watching it, like, not knowing that spoiler, just because I think so much thought goes into the order in which you learn things. Yeah. Um, yep. And sort of the way in which they all, like, everything is doled out so that it's not just about, like, having a big set of facts. It's about having the facts in, like, a particular order. Um, and I, I do think that's something that, like, everyone who works on the show cares a lot about. And it, like, was one of the first times, like, I, I had a conversation um, with the writers about it. And I think it was one of the first times that I had ever been sensitive to that side of the spoiler debate, because normally I just don't care about people like leaking stuff. But it just I, I felt I felt like I would be so sad if 
if something leaked and like ruined the way that this information was supposed to come out and like all this thing yeah. that these people had put so much work into, like it would really bum me out. Um, and I think that was why they even agreed to start giving me screeners because I like expressed that and it was really clear that I had been very affected by this conversation and they were like, all right, like he's not gonna, he's not a, a risk or whatever you would say in a, right. But we, we were talking earlier about how the Crooniverse interacts with us and makes the music accessible to us is, is part of how you build the community. And I think another big part of the Steven Universe community, at least on Reddit, is trying to do the whole internet hive mind thing and, you know, do the lore prediction. Like after Giant Woman aired, the very first episode that introduced the concept of fusion. And then in the discussion thread, people are like, huh, you know, you know, Garnet has two gems and they're different cuts and she's really strong. Do you think Garnet's a fusion? And I, that's just internet hive mind at work. And she's voiced by a musician, which... I mean, technically everybody. Well, but I... I but yeah, I mean, Estelle, Nikki, Amy... A more, a more like... I don't know if this was intentional, but I do think it's interesting that the most high profile where people with the most successful pop careers tend to be cast as fusions. Huh. I mean, if the fusions aren't going to be used very often, you you got that, you got your guest star right there as someone who's not going to show up too often. Yeah, that's a good point. I do want to get more Opal, though. We need Absolutely. to get uh, Amy Mann on the show. Yeah, Opal for Opal. It bums me out sometimes. Like, I, I, I like to imagine, like, I know this would never happen, but I like to imagine they could just be like, Nicki Minaj, like, we need you to come in and, like, you know, do like a couple of episodes worth of shit and she would come in. But I find that very, I find that very unlikely. Yeah. I mean, if Nikki can't, I mean, T-Pain probably make time. Oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, I've yeah. been trying, like, I don't know. I very much would like to, at some point, T-Pain, if you're listening, let me interview <laughs> you about Steven Universe. I think we would have a really good conversation. He's going to play uh, Mr. Smiley's cousin. I can feel it. They're both very musical guys. I mean. That would be legit. Mr. Smiley rejects the label of former R&B singer. He's still in the game. But I heard that the um, all the voice actors were cast on their singing ability, as well as, of course, their acting. Well, there's a lot of singing, and singing while crying, <laughs> that goes on on this show. It's true. What do we think about uh, Zach's singing ability? He's pretty um, good. Unless he's singing Dear Old Dad, in which case, I, I don't know. He's got a pretty, like, average to okay voice. I think there's some songs where he sounds really good. There's some songs where he his voice falls a little flat, but yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have any complaints about it. Just hearing that if they were cast on their singing ability, I do have to wonder, like, was his singing ability really that good to like land him the part? Like, I'm sure there are other factors. Well, he does have he did have a singing part in, I think, Sophia the First, Sophia spelled with an F. And there was a singing part there as he played like Prince something. So what you're saying is no relation. No relation. So Eric, in your Pitchfork piece, you point out a lot of the more emotional songs in Adventure Time, such as Fry Song or I Don't Remember You. And that got me thinking, Steven Universe has a lot of vocal songs in it, and a lot of them are relating information about the current plot of the episode or the emotional state of the characters. But I don't think the show has really had anything that was quite as hard-hitting as either of those two songs. Like all the songs in Steven Universe... They're either very triumphant, or you don't get anything that's, like, sad in the same way that Adventure Time does. I think, and this is different for other people, but Tower of Mistakes, sung by Amethyst and I think Cry for Help, yeah. really got to me. Like, I really got some feels from Amethyst that's very kin to the Adventure Time songs, which I've now been getting into. I can see that. I think the other 
example, there's the only other one I would think of like that. What is that one called? The one that Greg sings in the message. Oh, Wailing Stone. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the closest, I think, off the top of my head to something that's like in a slightly sadder. While we're shouting out Wailing Stone and Lapis Lazuli, both very good songs. I think they're just like the continuation of the same song. Yeah, or something like that. And it also sounds very similar to um, Dear Old Dad in some of the oohs bit. There's a lot of songs that sound similar, like um, the Jam Song and Little Butler. So, oh yeah, they're like yes. Yeah, every time I hear every time I hear the jam song, I want to start singing the little butler theme. I didn't hear it at first, but then you guys mentioned it on the show, and now I can't unhear it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but there's a lot of like little song parallels too, where some songs will have like a couple notes from another one. I, I think it was um sworn to the sword and uh, do it for him. There was a bit the song, the one at the end of Rose's Scabbard. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. There was some parallels that Ian or that Ian JQ confirmed to be there. Some uh note parallels. There was some in um the Lunar Seaspire song, the instrumental. There was one that sounded some notes that sounded a lot similar to Lapis Lazuli's theme as well, which people have been spewing theories about. Yeah, the show makes very good use of uh motifs. Mm-hmm. I mean, very conscious use. They even talk about it on Twitter and Tumblr. Yes. And um oh, one final one. In on the run when Amethyst hugs Pearl and there's the couple like little chimey notes, those are the notes from Amalgam. Not Amalgam. <sighs> <laughs> nice callback. I like it. I just I just want to say that Pearl does the best exposition songs. Mostly mostly because of Do It For Him, but I think I think he can count I think he can count strong in the re- in the real way a little bit, because it, it it really you know, I'm telling you for your own good and not because I'm jealous. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. thing about Strong in the Real Way, I have always been very opposed to musical stories, like Disney stories, once the characters start singing, I'm like, oh, God. But Steven Universe, one, like, what changed my opinion on that was Strong in the Real Way. Pearl started singing and I do my usual groan, but by the end of the song, I was really into it. And I think that Steven Universe does the, uh, vocal sing-along kind of musical songs very well, where it's kind of in character for the characters to sing. Like, it makes sense, like, Steven, especially in Island Adventure, he's got a ukulele with him, they're around a campfire, he's gonna sing, it makes sense. So that's something that, for Steven Universe, I really appreciate, because in, like, other cartoons or musical Disney movies and stuff like that, they really grate me. Okay, two things. One, Steven having the ukulele making sense is good there, but I just really wish that in Giant Woman he had his ukulele with him. That bothers me every time. And then two... (laughs) You're making me think back to Garfield and Friends and how, especially in the early part of the series, it was obligatory for there to be a a vocal song in every, you know, three-pack of episodes. And they do kind of feel out of place now, although obviously when you're a kid, you're not going to really be thinking about that. But, you know, watching it these days, it's like, yeah, I'd still like the songs, but it's kind kind of a rough transition. Feels a little hokey sometimes. There was a comment that Rebecca Sugar made about putting songs in the show when it felt right. Not having a mandatory one per episode or one per three episodes. So I do appreciate that as well. Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I said this in the, the Pitchfork article. I think the re- like, I also don't love a lot of, like, random musical entertainment. And I think one part of the reason that it works really well on Steven Universe is not just that, like, there are reasons to assume the characters would actually be singing, but also that music is so important to all of them that it just makes sense that that's how they would express themselves. 
which is especially true, I think, in the flashback episodes where you get to, like, watch Greg be a super awesome, but, like, also kind of terrible rock star. And it's, like, that, oh, that, like, that, that, like, back. that, like, literally is in Steven's DNA. Uh, Greg's know, kind he, of a tragic figure, especially after Like a Comet. You, you gotta, like I mean, I wonder. song in the show. Shush. I think all the time about what, like, Greg the never world got to, Greg just never wasn't got to ready for, yeah, Greg. for Greg, uni- for Mr. Universe. Yeah, he was like the comet that, that killed the dinosaurs and just explosive. <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's really important to all of the best songs. And even the ones where you don't have, like, where there's no, like, diegetic reason for people to be singing. It's, like, set up earlier in the episode. Like, in Sworn to the Sword, there's the jam song earlier that is diegetic. And so it feels less weird, I think, uh, when Stronger Than You start, or, uh, when Do It For Him starts. I think that's really important. And just, like, is it, I continue to appreciate the the care that gets put into making sure that all of that stuff, like, works. Yes. And none of it feels, like, super shoehorned in or weird. Though I am waiting for a Ronaldo solo song. Oh, that would oh, be God. epic. Oh, guy, I forgot that everyone hates... I that think would I'm be like the, the moment per- that I leave the only, universe. I think I'm the only person who likes Ronaldo. I think I'm, like, the only person who likes Ronaldo. No. That's the only, you and that's me the both, only thing I've learned, you and I've me learned both. From, from the comments. Yeah. People are just like, why, why do you like Ronaldo? I love Ronaldo. Ronaldo and I are kindred souls. That's, I mean, I think you just have to, like... Consider our friendship over, GC. <sighs> Some people just don't appreciate good characters, Eric. Everyone is Ronaldo. What? We are what all Ronaldo. We are all Ronaldo. Well, I, I I don't know. I I love, like, Ronaldo is probably the character that I, like, would not choose to identify with the most, but I'm almost certainly the most similar to, like, IRL. Uh, and I, like, greatly appreciate that he exists in the show. And that he is committed to something that's way weirder and dumber than the stuff that everyone else on the show is committed to. <laughs> in which, in that respect, he like reminds me a lot of Jamie, who also is committed to like a kind of dumb thing. <laughs> acting. Well, not just acting, but like capital. <laughs> no, it's his dumb like, acting. Acting, <laughs> like you know, like I mean, there's like that moment in like historical friction, like every time that like Steve, like they're both like acting the theater. Acting. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate a lot. This could make or break but, my hobby. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great theater. line. That line is fantastic. Yeah, and it's, I, I appreciate a lot that there are characters uh, who have commitments to stuff like that that are, like, taken seriously. That, like, it, it would like it, it would be really hard to imagine, I think, any other show, like, not mocking Ronaldo mercilessly for being himself. Yeah, instead they just mock Ronaldo mercifully. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's kind like it's kind like he he's a, a sad figure, but he also like they gave him horror club. He did good in horror club. Yeah, he needs to work on his documentary filmmaking. I suppose. Yeah, just uh, I mean, you can do multiple takes, man. There's no no deadline here. Yeah, this was very poorly edited. Well, I did want to I did want to just quickly ask: Do you think that Steven Universe is better than Adventure Time in working the vocal songs in naturally, or or do you think they're about the same? I think that's a really hard question. Oh, I mean, I guess it's better. At first, I was like, "Oh God!" Like, am I gonna have to say if like Steven Universe is better than Adventure Time? Like, that's like a horrible <laughs> question. Yeah, I, I would never ask that. But you know, in this regard, overall. I think, like, yes, like, quite clearly, I think it is, but I think that's only, or largely because it just is more important to the show. I think it's a lot harder to compare when, especially after, like, Rebecca left Adventure Time, like, there's a lot less, I mean, there's still, like, a decent amount of, of diegetic music or, like, songs like that, but it's not as important to the show anymore. 
And so if Steven Universe is better at it, I think it's probably just because that's something that she and the rest of the, the crew universe have gotten like better yeah. at doing. They brought the and master on. And is and is more is more of a priority there than it was on Adventure Time or than it continues to be. Um I do think that it helps a lot to have Marceline like like nothing will top the like musical integration at the end of I Remember You. Like that just yeah. you can't like that works really, really like unbelievably well and I, I don't think you could like have a song make sense and be like that nuts. Uh, but I do think, like, consistently, Steven Universe is probably better at it. Because when I watched Adventure Time, you, you know, when it, when it was first coming out, I just got the impression, you know, oh, you know, these characters sing a lot. And, you know, I like that. But, you know, obviously, years a few years later, watching Steven Universe, I just never, that revelation never really hit me so much. It's just, this is a very musical show, which, you know, implies to me that Steven, Steven Universe is working in it a bit more naturally. So rather than Jake just singing because it's, you know, he's the right character to be doing it, and this is a show that enjoys doing that, it just flows a little bit more naturally when Pearl breaks out into song. She just has that personality where it's so perfect. Well, honestly, yeah. the uh, Bacon Pancake song. She and Jake need to do a duet. They need to make that happen. See, I can never unsee Jake as Bender from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were going to say Alicia Keys. <laughs> That's also very difficult. No, we need to get Steven with the JT Dog Zone book. No one in my family knows anything about Adventure Time. They couldn't name the show if they had a gun to their head, but they all know Baking Pancakes New York. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's to the point where I, if I listen to the song New York, I can't unhear Bacon Pancakes. It's good. Uh, well, we're on Adventure Time, though. I, I don't know if you can top Tropical Island, and you have no idea how hard the lore stuff was for me to write for Island Adventure because I, I just had to get it all out there at the beginning. Just makes me think of that song so much. It's a good one. Uh, the only other thing I guess I wanted to ask, since we started the episode by talking about our, fa- our favorite non-vocal songs, what about your favorite vocal one? Mm, that's uh, a harder decision. That's a hard one. That is a tough one. I gave GC and Sophia like a week of warning that I was going to ask that question though, so I don't feel bad. You did. You should have reminded me. I completely forgot. I mean, obviously, stronger than you. Very good song. So, but Giant Woman uh, and Do It for Him are probably uh, that would probably make the triangle of power for my vocal songs for Steven Universe. Well, the thing about Stronger Than You is that, of course, it was spoiled for me, so the effect wasn't as strong as it could have been. So even though I appreciate what the song does to the show, it's never really in the contender for being one of the favorites. Giant Woman was still before Coach Steven and before I appreciated the music in the show, so I was still kind of groaning when Steven began to sing, especially since he didn't have the ukulele with him. But um, favorite vocal songs definitely has to be Like a Comet, or do it for him. I do have mad respect for Like a Comet. It just, it works so well in the episode. And it, again, it just paints Greg as this tragic figure. He's singing about how he's selling out his shows, and then the only person who shows up is an alien warlord who thought it would be fun to pal around with a human. Yeah. For me, I'd probably say it's the opening, if that's not a like, cop-out no, answer. That is not a cop-out answer. The extended opening, or... The pilot opening? Just the regular one. Okay, because the just extended like the opening, opening is good stuff. I love the... Ah, oh, just when they showed that at Comic-Con and everybody cheered when Garnet started with, <laughs> with her part. I can feel that every time. I want to cheer yeah. every time I hear that part. 
It like sounds empty without the cheering. It wasn't until uh, the extended opening that I even realized that the pilot opening and the now original title theme are in different keys. Hmm. So if you were to play this on a ukulele or guitar, you'd be playing a completely different set of chords on a different key, of course. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I'm not nearly musical enough to notice that. So my like personal favorite is probably the extended opening, but I think Stronger Than You... Wow, this is about to get mad pedantic. Uh, Stronger Than You is like the best as like a song, I think, that works on its own, which I appreciate a lot, that you can just like kind of listen to and like not require visuals. But by far, I think the best... I think Do It For Him is by far the best, like as not just like a vocal song, but also like as a part of an episode of the show. I just think it's like a really breathtaking, like it, that, that like story, like you, if Steven universe were a cable drama, Connie becoming like a really good sword fighter. And then like trying to like recklessly sacrifice herself to like save Steven in some sort of fight would be an entire season plot line. Uh, And I think it's like unbelievable that that is condensed in like a minute. Isn't it like a? Uh, it's a large portion of the episode. It is. It's. I think it's more than half the episode. Although I, I want to say four minutes, but I could the song. Wrong. The song's like the song is like two minutes, like tops. I think they get they they use it for all it's worth, though. But yeah, it's and it's like incredible. And you have like there's like backstory. There's like the the projection. Like the whole thing is just I think like a really masterful blend of both the animation and the the music in a way that just honest i i do think is like the bet like the peak of what the show has accomplished and like just straight up like doing cool stuff and like how people tell stories on tv that's like the peak of it that's like one of the best like moments of the show like period for me hearing you explain it i do agree that the visuals and the audio work together best there but i i did when it came out do uh, give the give the whole team props for how well the stronger than you sequence worked out. I mean, it wasn't just the song; the visuals were also top notch. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's like in the second when the second chorus starts, and there's like the the two like brief moments where she's like punching Jasper. That's really really well integrated into the song. I think punching to the beat. Yeah, but it's like I think it's like slightly off if I remember correctly in a way that's like really satisfying but also like never quite as satisfying as I think it's going to be. <laughs> but that that's another really good one. Yeah. And I, and I think there is a way to strategically put a bit where something is mildly offbeat, slightly offbeat and it actually adds something to the music. And the only example I can think of this is um the annoying dog song from Undertale how the barks are a little bit offbeat and that just makes it all the more endearing. Well, Adventure Time does that all the time, basically in every song. Yes. But uh, one final thought for me, I guess, is you, you, Eric, I think we're going on about how important music is to the characters in the show. And not only to Steven and Greg, because Greg was a former musician and Steven is the son of a musician, but like to the gems as a species themselves, music is such like a big part of who they are. I mean, they literally have to dance to fuse. And that's kind of a question. How was music thought of back in Homeworld? Yeah, because especially considering how much they repress fusion. Food for thought, I think. I do, yeah. I think you probably, I mean, off the top of my head, you probably could draw, like, an interesting line to why, like, Rose connected with Greg so much in that, like, expression of music. And definitely music is something that I, I would imagine in, like, this world is not necessarily unique to, to Earth, but, like, the way it's expressed in, like, all these different forms and all these different, like, songs 
like all these different musical possibilities definitely is something that I, I would imagine that you like don't get on Homeworld. Um, and it's kind of cool to see the way that the, the gems sort of like evolve in relation to that, by which I mostly mean that I love like Garnet's 80s costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, no as light well, warmers, no sail. Yes. And all the gems, the crystal gems have their own little kind of instruments and themes. Like Pearl's got the kind of piano, jazzy sort of thing. Garnet's got like the bass and Amethyst yep. has the drums and they all have their own style of dancing and music and stuff. And this is only the gems doing it. Like Greg doesn't have a theme. Like, Steven kind of has a bit of a chiptune thing, but Connie doesn't have a theme. So that's kind of interesting how the gems are so just inherently musical. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope you all enjoyed it. Um, thank you, Eric, for being with us. Um, the rest of us will see you next week. I'm GC13. I'm Sophia. Eric, tell them where uh, they can find you. Oh, totally. So I do all the AV Club reviews. So if you go to the AV Club and like liter- search Steven Universe, all of those will come up. Um, or you can find me on, on Twitter, I guess, at my name, which is Eric, E-R-I-C, Therm, T-H-U-R-M, um, or this other thing, which is on Pitchfork. I don't know. There's like a lot of different websites. GC, you can link them. Right. I hope you enjoy some of them. We'll get, we'll get them to your Twitter. We'll get them to the post on Pitchfork or Pit, yep, Pitchfork and the AV Club reviews. Cool. Then they can do some, uh, internet searching if they need more. Yeah, Google, like, I do a very bad job of hiding things about myself. You can probably find a lot of embarrassing things by Googling me. <laughs> Sounds great. So, I guess we already did the other part, so I'll just say, I'm Ken. Later, kiddos! Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.